for a second. If y'all are good to go, bam, we good. All right. Tommy, Ethan, y'all take it easy. Be safe. We'll catch y'all later. No, there we go. That's a little, make it a little bit better there. I appreciate Tommy and Ethan always coming in and doing worship. Um, they got family and friends and stuff going on, especially coming out with everything that's been going on. Um, like we mentioned earlier, we're going to be going through and trying to figure out our plans and stuff for reopening. We really want to... Um, Continue in fellowship, which, we'll, which we will do one way or another. We're going to continue to do Facebook Live um, for all of our stuff. But we also want um, to make sure that we kind of operate in safety for all of our people in the community and such. We'll look at our, our ceiling tiles. You can look at the ceiling tiles because my dude Sam Craig has been here fixing stuff up for us. So. Shout out to Sam Crago fixing the lights and everything and everything we got going on here. But real quick, uh, we were going through, um, we've been going through Ephesians 6 and we finished out this last series just talking about spiritual warfare and how do we defend ourselves against the attack of the enemy. Um, I've enjoyed preaching through this. I've been preaching through a book um, called Spiritual Warfare. I'll have to like, make sure to link a copy on our Facebook pages to everyone. Um, really good information on practical ways on how we apply the full armor of God to our lives, not just when we're in trouble, but applying these things to our lives every single day. So we've gone over the last couple of weeks talking about how we live and operating with the belt of truth of God's word and his righteousness and his character, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, which is one of my favorite ones I actually got to preach through, the uh, shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, which Tommy preached through last week. Um, and also today we're going to be doing the sword of the spirit and we're also going to go ahead and finish up with um, verse 18 which talks about prayer. Um, applying these two things together, word and prayer, I believe are the most important ways that we can defend ourselves and also go against the enemy um, and attacking wise. I had this dope sword. My sister a couple years ago. And um, she went to Europe and she brought back this like awesome shield and a wooden sword. And I'm so upset because I was dealing, messing with the baby and stuff earlier. And I left the sword downstairs in my studio. And I was going to come out here like I was like Dark Vader and like Luke Skywalker and play with my sword and give this awesome example. But I don't have the sword this morning. But if you know anything about the sword, it is a defensive weapon, but it is also very much so an offensive weapon. Um, when we look at the sword of the spirit and understanding how we operate that, it's talking about the word of God. And in verse 18, Paul also talks about um, after he gives all of the full armor of God, he says, let's finish this off with prayer also. So we're going to be speaking from verse 17 where it says the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end to keep alert and all perseverance and making supplication for all of the saints. I remember when I was a, a young, like when I first came to Christ, um, it was maybe, it's almost, well, it's actually been over 10 years now, and um, I was attending the church in St. Albans at Maranatha Fellowship, and uh, Pastor James Wright was the pastor. Um, I grew up there as a kid, and I know, remember watching his sermons and, you know, playing basketball with him. I think we had a really good relationship, not just as like a, you know, a pastor who's in the pulpit, but somebody who, you know, came to events and played ball and was a part of my life also. And I remember when I came back to church after being out of church for about four or five years, I knew that I had this call for ministry. And um, I remember sitting up in the balcony and I was just so reluctant to kind of go down for prayer and to talk to people about this. And I remember uh, Pastor Wright, he stopped and he said, if there's anybody who feels as though they are called to ministry and would like prayer, will you come down and pray with me? And my heart was like thumping out of my chest and stuff like that. And I didn't really 
have this affirmation besides I knew when, you know, I knew that God had called me to, you know, preach and teach, but I didn't know where to go from there. Like, you know, I'm like, where, where do I find, you know, this other affirmation where I need to do so? And I remember finally going down and I go up to Pastor Wright and I, I told him, I'm like, I know I'm called to ministry. I know I'm called to preach and to teach. I know I'm called, you know, to, um, to pastor a church, but I don't even know where to start or what to do. And I'm thinking I'm going to get like this big like you know message like he's gonna pray and like heaven and earth is gonna come down i'm gonna get struck by lightning and turn super saiyan and just start preaching and teaching all over the place and i remember he just said it to me so calmly you know if you know pastor right he's like an enthusiastic guy he just says so calmly to me he goes get into the word of god and i remember sitting there and in my spirit, you know, I, I was a baby Christian, y'all. I probably was so upset about this. I'm so upset and mad. I'm like, what do you mean getting the word of God? What do you mean read the Bible? I'm like, that's the most generic thing you can tell someone to do right now. I'm thinking to myself, higher mighty than I am, I'm like, I want to be a preacher. I want to be a pastor. You're supposed to give me some deep, like, thoughts, some, some, some inquisitive things. I'm like, give me something. What else am I supposed to do? And he tells me to get into the word of God and to pray. He told me, he said, start reading through the book of Timothy. And he also said, learn how to get to your prayer closet and pray when nobody else is around. So I'm mad and I'm frustrated. I'm angry and I'm upset because it seems like it's such an elementary thing for us to get into our word and to have guidance and wisdom for our lives. And it is an elementary thing, but I'm just kind of baffled, even as no different than how I reacted. I didn't want to get into the word. I wanted something else. I wanted a quick fix to defend my life from the attacks of the enemy and to give me guidance. But it is as elementary as saying, get into the word of God. Understand what his guidance for your life says. We have the word of God. It's a living, breathing word of God. It'll help us in every single situation for our lives as is written in the word. And for other situations where it may not be as plain as day within the word, you can receive guidance from prayer because you have access to God through Jesus Christ. As hard as it is for us sometimes when we are going through tough situations to be able to trust unto God, it means that we must get into our word of God and know God and have an intimate relationship with God to truly understand who he is. Tommy said something last week that has really stuck with me. I think he said, you know, we, we, can't, we can't value or truly understand our salvation unless we reflect on our own personal salvation. When you get into the word of God, I believe it's you meeting him where God has given us this word. And it gives us an opportunity to reflect on his teachings, but also gives us guidance for our lives. So we can truly appreciate the understanding that from the book of Genesis to Revelation, it reveals Jesus Christ and God's character. And the Holy Spirit meets us as we read this word and gives us the guidance on how to live our lives and how to defend ourselves and our faith every single day. It's the understanding that I believe when Pastor Wright was telling me to get into the Word of God, he was really teaching me the understanding that the Word will help me to defend my life and to also know what is possible and what to pray. So then when I am praying in the Spirit constantly and consistently for all my brothers and sisters in my life, I will be praying God's will, not just my own will in my life. I want to pray God's will for my life and knowing the word of God will help me to understand what his will is for my life and for other people around me. As we're going to see in the story later on in Matthew 4, there are many people who take the word out of context. 
They take little its and bits and pieces without knowing the full context of the word. That's why it's important for us to study and know the word and to use it for our defense. Because if not, the enemy will use the word of God also and try to attack us and our personal character if we don't understand the word of God for ourselves and are able to navigate what the word and the Bible means for itself. I tell people all the time, and I preach and I teach this, I say, your church pastor should be teaching you on how to be able to read and understand and study and apply the word for your personal life so you can help and navigate other people's lives, but also navigate your own life because your firm foundation is on what God says, not just what your pastor may say. I've said this over and over and over again. I will continue to reiterate it. The biggest um, detriment to the church is not what the world is doing, but what the church is doing inside of the walls and the buildings and false prophets and false teachers not giving the true understanding of what the Word of God says and teaching their believers on how to have a firm relationship with God on their own. And I believe it's in that foundation of understanding the Word of God and understanding how to properly pray. So Christians, us believers, the sword is the Word of God. And when we look through this and we kind of start to kind of get a little teachy and stuff like that, there's two applications, there's two kind of main things in, in, in the New Testament in Greek when we look at the Word of God. Um, we always know the Word of God is logos, which means, you know, the, the Word of God and the application of that. But it also is, and I've been practicing how to say this, it's, it's rhema, which also means that when you take the, the logos, is the general Word of God that communicates God's ability to do something or the general will of God in a matter as we know it, which means the word of God, the Bible and the teachings. The rhema is the word of the Holy Spirit, which quickens us in specific personal problems and instances for a specific situation. I believe when you start to delve deep into the word of God and you do it from what Timothy says in chapter 2, 2 Timothy in chapter 2 and 15, it tells us that we are to present ourselves as to God as an approved one, as a worker, and to not be ashamed and rightly handing the word of truth, which means that we should be a people who study the word of God so we know the word of God. And I believe that's when we get into it and we look at the Lagos, the actual written word of God, and we study and apply it to our lives. We can then also look at the rhema and say that God will quicken our spirit with his words and with his wisdom in life to be able to help us to operate and navigate using the sword of the spirit to defend ourselves. It doesn't help that you just, you have the word of God and you read the word of God, but you never actually take the time to say, God, how do I apply this to my life and defending myself? You can know the word of God intimately and deeply, but then you can live in a community and never know actually how to apply that word of God to that community's issues or to a person around you's issues. I say this all the time. I say, you can get a degree from college, but unless you have the right skill sets and the right wisdom and knowledge to be able to apply and to use that degree in the workplace, it is almost worthless. The greatest analogy that I've seen about using the Lagos, the Word of God, the written Word of God, that we have access to in the Bible and our study materials, and using the Rhema is saying that the Bible itself is a well. And we, as the people, are like a bowl. And what we do is that when we have this well of knowledge in the Word of God, when we are presented with a situation or with an issue or with a problem, what we do is we take the rhema, understanding that Word of God, and we take our bowl into the depth of this Bible and into the depth of the Word, and we're able to dip out 
the wisdom and the knowledge and to apply to that situation in life. It's no different. I'm a technical guy. I did IT for years. I'm a, you know, I'm a nerd at heart. Lauren knows I will go home and I will nerd out on two different things. I love watching car videos on how to fix mechanically wise and engineer stuff. And I love watching tech videos and I'm that nerdy guy. So when I, when you also look at this, it's the understanding that the Lagos is your, um, it's your operations manual. It's, it tells you how to work everything in life. And the other part is the Rhema is actually the part of the operation that you're working with. So it's understanding that you have the Lagos, which is the bigger aspect of it all, than the Rhema. So the Spirit's going to quicken your body and life, in your individual life, and in your individual situations, to be able to speak to you what the Word of God has already affirmed in the Bible. You're going to see that there's going to be this tandem that happens in life, is that the Word will affirm what is going on in your life when the Spirit speaks to you, and the Spirit will also speak to you, and you can find the affirmation in the Word of God. So as you are being led in life, and as the enemy may be attacking you in life, you will always be able to find a solution in the Word of God, and in your prayer, you will find affirmation for what the Word is saying if you are following and have a close relationship with God. And no different than this is that if you are praying to God and you believe that God has given you some solution, you will find the affirmation that in the word of God, if you have the right relationship with God. The key is that you must apply your faith and have a right relationship and right standing with God for us to adequately and be able to use the word of God as application to our lives. Um, I think a lot of us, we, we kind of think about this sword of the spirit, you know, you pull it out and it, and it does, it, it chops the bone from the marrow. It opens up and it'll dissect areas of your life in which you maybe didn't know that you need to correct it. But you've got to learn how to wield that weapon because the word of God in the wrong hands can be dangerous. If you have someone who wants to preach and to teach out of context the word of God, like I mentioned earlier, that is more of a detriment than what the world could ever do because you are leading people astray. One of the famously misquoted Bible verses, it talks about how the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. When we read about that, it actually talks about how the enemy means the false prophets who come into the sheep gate and they mislead the sheep away from God. It's not talking about the enemy, the devil, but it could be talking about the enemy, the devil, living inside of someone to incorrectly preach and to teach something. It's important for us to have an individual relationship with God. Two things that we have to understand here are that we must have a vital relationship with the Spirit of God in order to use the weapon in a correct operation, in a correct oper operational way for us. Secondly is that the Spirit is like command central for our lives. The Holy Spirit is going to guide our lives to truth. He's going to guide us to righteousness. He's going to give us the wisdom on how to apply the Word of God in our lives and how to walk this out every single day of our lives. It's the Word that's going to defend you in the late night hour when your eyes are distracted and your heart is being pulled in other directions, when that lust creeps in. Or maybe the urge to fornicate. Maybe all of these temptations that you're having over and over again. Maybe it's just in a matter of moments when you're, you're thinking about how should I handle this situation. And the word of God is going to give you very clear instructions on a lot of different matters. On things like stealing, bribery, um, and murder, things like that. But it's the application of the Ramah, 
God's word, his spirit living inside of you, which will give you that guidance and direction. It's the understanding that we don't just do what feels right in the moments of life, even as Christians, but it's to press on to, and to know God's will, which will then be affirmed in the word of God and also in his Holy Spirit giving you the teacher, giving you that teaching. It's being familiar with it. It's knowing the matter of how God would handle this issue and giving you this correct instruction. I'm going to give you guys real quick. We're going to hop over to Matthew 4. And we're going to go through verses 1 through 11. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because we're going to jump into a new sermon series um, next week. And I'm actually going to, this is going to be the precursor to that, preaching from Matthew 4, 1 through 11 on, uh, you know, teaching about how God knows our sorrows and how Christ knows our sorrows and our pains and the afflictions that we face in life. And this is what really helps us on a practical level to understand the authority of his teaching as our savior, but also as, um, you know, a man who lived the same life that we lived every single day. So we're going to see this next week. We're going to jump into that sermon series. Just I'm um, starting that one off. Um, it's going to be called um, A Message from the Messiah. But in Matthew, in chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, we see that Jesus is facing temptation from the enemy, the devil. Just as uh, many of us, we face temptation from the enemy, the devil. He uses the word of God in these moments to defend his faith, to defend himself from all of the attacks of the enemy. He's being led by you know, the belt of truth, the truth of what God's word has said, the truth of God's character, and understanding if he follows God, God will be able to help him to be guided in his life on the path that he's living because he has a personal relationship with God. He's understanding he's living in righteousness with God as the son of God, and also he's living in practical right standing by affirming what the word of God says and living by what the word of God says in the Old Testament teachings of Moses. He's walking with the peace of the gospel as he's going forth and he's ready to be able to preach and to teach and to bring the gospel to those who are in need. He has faith in God in these moments and situations as we see by the affirmations of all the replies that he has as saying it is written, which means he has faith in what God's word has said for his life, for him to live on that firm foundation, even though he may be going through a rocky situation. And he understands that his salvation, obviously he brings salvation, but the salvation that he is going to bring is going to protect his mind from the attacks of the enemy. So what we see here is that he starts to then apply the sword of the spirit in this moment. I, I, I want to make the case that when you look at some people who are warriors, and I, I always look at like um, you know Japanese warriors, and um, you see they always put on their armor, but there's many a times where you'll see um, many of those people, they'll just be out there with just a sword. I want to make the case, and I don't you know, suggest you doing this, but I want to make the case that if you are firmly rooted in the word of God, that sword is your strongest defense that you can have, and it also will attack back against the enemy. I believe that the sword of the spirit, if we keep it sharpened by being in the word and understanding the word of God, will help you ultimately to be able to dispel any attacks of the enemy as they may come if you become a great wielder of this sword in the word of God. If we study to show ourselves approved. So what it says here in Matthew 4 and verse 1, I'm going to read it to you. And we're going to break down these three specific temptations that Jesus Christ faced from the enemy and how he dispersed those attacks by using the word of God. It says here in verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. 
The Spirit is command central. He's leading him into the wilderness in this moment in time. And to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and for 40 nights, he was hungry. Some of y'all can't even go for two hours without needing a Snickers or something like that. 40 days and for 40 nights, Jesus Christ fasted. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he said, Jesus, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In verse 5, you see the second temptation. It says, Then the devil took, took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For as it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And he's misquoting the scripture right now. And their hands and I'm sorry, and their hands they will bear up onto you. They will bear you up unless you strike your foot on a stone. And Jesus said to him again, as it is written, you shall not put the Lord of God to test. And in verse 8 here, again the devil took him up to the high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the word of the world of their glory. And he said to him, All of these I will give to you if you will fall down. And if you will worship me, then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written that you that you shall worship the Lord, your God and him only shall you serve. And the devil left him and behold, the angels came and they ministered to Jesus Christ. Three times Jesus Christ, as he was starting his ministry, was tempted as he was led to the wilderness, as he was led to a place where he was going to have to learn how to navigate tough situations in life. He fasted for 40 days, so you could tell that he was spiritually weak and anemic in this moment in time, or outwardly his physical body was spiritually weak and anemic, not spiritually. He was spiritually strong in this moment because he was affirmed by knowing God and being in right relationship with him. He knew the word of God. He was able to deflect the enemy's attacks in life. How many of us are feeling physically weak and anemic? How many of us are feeling physically exhausted and tired? How many of us feel as though we, we can't continue to go on? We're like, I've been in this COVID thing for the last three months now. I'm about to lose my mind if I hear my kids say mom one more time. I'm going to lose my mind if I hear frozen on the TV over and over again because my kids are annoying me. I'm going to lose my mind because I feel as though I don't have my job still. I'm going to lose my mind right now because I know I can't get out and I'm, I'm not around other people. and I feel the weight of depression just taking over my life. These are real life things that happen to us physically in life. But if we stay affirmed by the word of God and in right relationship with God, we are able to do the same as Jesus Christ and use the word of God to be able to deflect these attacks. The reason the word of God is so valuable in this moment in time is because God is not changing and his word is not going to change. His character and his promises will always be the same. If you choose in these moments in times when you are facing winds and torrents in life, as it says in Matthew 7, to come off of your firm foundation of the word of God and to trust what men and women and other people say to navigate your situation, you will ultimately falter and fail. I don't believe it's ironic that the exact middle of the Bible, I believe, is Psalm 118 and 8. And it said, it is better for us to trust unto God than to trust under men and the princes of the world. Men and princes and people and principalities of the world are going to fail you because their life is swayed by what may be popular in the moment in time. 
but God's word is eternal. God's word is here to give us guidance. God's word shows us that he has loved us from Genesis, from when the fall of man happened, all the way to Revelation. He shows his plan of redemption, and Jesus Christ follows through with its salvation, and the Holy Spirit guides us. It's a foundation in understanding the word of God will not let us down, but there's going to be times that you are going to face temptations. You're going to face issues that feel like they're insurmountable. And if we continue to live by the word of God, we can do the same as Jesus Christ and deflect these attacks when they come against us. And even more so, attack back against the enemy. I, I like to call these three responses from Jesus Christ, clap back. So I feel like he's clapping back at him with a little bit of attitude. I can feel like Jesus is hungry, he's hangry right now, and he's defending his faith probably with a little bit of attitude towards Satan right now. So what we see here is that Jesus Christ has fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights, and the tempter came to him, and he says to him, as he says to him in this moment in time, he says, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And Jesus Christ hits him with the clap back real quick. He says to him, it is written. He doesn't base his teaching off of what he believes and says. He has all the authority to do so as a son of God. But he says that I am in right relationship with my father. His right relationship with his father is saying that, God, I trust you on this task and this mission to come to earth and to bring salvation to my brothers and sisters and those who are lost, to give salvation to them, which means that I have to follow through with this plan all the way through in every single area of my life. It wasn't just in him taking the cross, but it was for him to also live out what the Old Testament teachings of Moses said. So he said, I will and I choose in this moment in time to trust my father because I love my father. And I choose to take his word of God. As we see here in John chapter 5, he says, I wish to do nothing else but to do what the word of God says. That is his father's will and that is his goal in life. He says in this moment, he says, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The first thing that we see here is that he's affirming what the word of God says in the Old Testament. He's affirming with scripture on how he is to live his life and not be tempted by the enemy to use his powers or use his authority that he had on the earth for wrongdoing. Many of us, we are in places of authority. Many of us, we are in places of power. Do we reflect upon what God's will says for our life? And do we apply God's standard for our life to use that authority to be able to glorify God first and foremost? Do we in these moments in time stop and say that we don't live by bread alone, but we live by what the word of God says? We see these two affirmations right now in what we saw in our teaching about what it means to live by the word of God. It means that the logos is being applied by the actual word of God that we have, the standard of the teaching, but it's also the rhema in saying that I am living by what the spirit of God is telling me to do. God's word is becoming out of his mouth and is living out and his Holy Spirit is helping him to understand and to be able to speak that and to hear God's will for his life. The second part that we see here is that the devil then, it gets a little more tactical. You can stop in life and you can say, God, I'm going to apply your word for my life. What I hear, I'm going to apply what the word of God says for my life by not living by the bread alone, but taking the word of God in what I see in this word in the Bible and also by the spirit. But then he also takes it to a second level when the enemy starts to creep in and he starts to misuse the word of God. 
to try to dictate how Jesus Christ should live his life. So what he says here in verse 5 is that the devil, the enemy, took him up to a holy city. He set him upon the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, showing him all of this riches and greatness and stuff like that. He says, if you will throw your, it says, if you are the son of God. He says, throw yourself down. For it is written that he will command his angels concerning you. And it says, and their hands they will bear up upon you lest you strike your foot on the ground essentially saying that jesus if you jump from here jump right now and show us that you're the son of god show us that you are god's son and that god cares for you by jumping so you will not die because the angels will come and get you it's more than just saying oh jesus jump what are you saying he's misquoting the word of god right now he's misquoting what we have as the holy scriptures i believe it's it's important for us now um, in this day, in this age, in this time for us to understand the word of God for ourselves so we can be guided by what the Holy Spirit tells us in the affirmations in the word. There's many people out there who want to try to dictate to you how you're supposed to live your life. Many Christian people, many preachers and pastors of the word who have been misguided by the false teachings that they believe because I really believe that they're doing it for their own fame and their claim and for their own affirmations so that they can be worshipped themselves, as we'll see here in the next temptation that the enemy has. They want you to mishear and misunderstand the word of God and be in this place where you believe that you are following God, but you're being tempted by the enemy. And in this moment, Jesus stops and he says to him, he says, don't tempt God. Don't misuse the word of God. He replies back and he says to him again, as it is written. I could just imagine Jesus being like, as it is written, Satan, you ain't going to get me today. He says this. He says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. He says, I'm not going to test God in this moment, in this situation. But he also sees that when somebody tempts you or when somebody is saying to you something that is of the word of God that is wrong and is in the wrong teaching, your clapback and your rebuttal should be showing them the correct way and what the word of God actually means and says. He says, for as it is written, he doesn't go back to his own defenses and what he personally believes, as many of us will do, will personally go and say, I believe this. No, it's saying, I know the word and I'm going to affirm and I'm going to correct you by what the word actually says. We see this through all of the Gospels when Jesus Christ is teaching in the temples and the Pharisees and the Sadducees are frustrated. He teaches them what the correct interpretation of what the Word of God says. Not only in that moment to dispel the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but he also does that so those who are following after those false prophets and teachers who are incorrectly teaching the Word of God will know for themselves what the Word says. The guidance that you receive from the word will also help you to guide people to truth if you are in the word of God and you allow that to live in you. Lastly, he says this, and in verse 7, as I mentioned earlier, um, I'm sorry, verse 8, as I mentioned earlier, the devil wants to steal the worship from God. He wants to. We, we talked about this a couple weeks ago when we, I think, believe we talked about the truth of God. And one of the things is that the, the devil, Satan, is a real entity. He wants to steal the worship from God. He wants to defile God's character so that you will not follow after him. He wants you to misunderstand and be misled by God's teaching so he can receive the worship of God. He wants you to doubt that God doesn't have your best interest in mind when God does have your best interest in mind. And that's where the temptations in those moments come into play. 
But he says this to them. The devil says, and he says, he took him up to a very high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, he says, all these I will give you. And if you fall down and if you worship me, how many of us have been tempted in that moment in time to fall down and to worship the enemy? It's, it's not the Satan coming into your house in the middle of the night and saying and giving this temptation or doing this. But what about those moments and times when you are granted a power and authority? I mentioned this earlier. You can use that power authority that you maybe have been granted to be able to help and promote the kingdom of God. Or maybe it's in this moment in time that the power and the authority is going to be given by the enemy to try to take you out of the realm of serving God with what you've been given. And so it's temptation those moments and times. I said this last a couple weeks ago about my friend Jody Germain. He has this great gift of music and this talent and this ability. But the enemy tried to tempt him to use it for the world. How many times have we been tempted to use our gifts and our talents and our abilities for the world when God wants you to use it for the kingdom of God? Um, on our people in the midweek call this week for our Risen City plan, I'm going to be talking about how we use our talents and our abilities and what God has given us to effectively reach and work within the city and how we are to trust the process and what God has given us to do so. Many of us, we want that quick fix, and Jesus, and God will give us a temp I'm not sorry, I'm sorry, that Satan will give us a temptation in that moment to try to take us away from what God's will is. Jesus Christ was led by the Spirit of God to the wilderness. He, he was fasting for 40 days. And in this moment of time, he's being tempted to say, if you will worship me right now, I will give you everything that you see, all this glory, which is a lie because he did not have the authority to do so. The temptations that you face in life, the promises that Satan gives for you are false promises. And he has no authority to try to give and take as he may tempt us to do so. But in this moment, Jesus Christ says in verse 10, Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan! Your breath stink! I don't like you! Your horns! You ain't that cute! He says, Be gone, Satan! As it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And the crazy part about this is, maybe not the crazy part, but the harder part for maybe for us to understand is that when we're going through these temptations, when we're being attacked by the enemy, if we consistently continue to use the word of God as our standard in our lives and use it as our firm foundation and use it as our defense against the enemy, what we will see here in verse 11 is how the enemy will respond to us as he did respond also to Jesus Christ. In that moment in time, he says here, he says, Then the devil left him, and behold, Angels came and were ministering to him. When you choose to use the word of God to deflect the enemy, when you know the word of God, when you are in a right standing of relationship with God, when you not only use this as a coffee table, just sitting on your table to make it look good for yourself, when you don't just post the photos of you reading the Bible to make yourself look good, but when you have a deep, intimate relationship with God, you're not going to want to do anything else but what his word and what his will says because you have the wisdom of the practical knowledge of what God has given us in the word on how to handle situations. And then you also have God's spirit and his word speaking into you and through you in those moments of time and confusion. 
The defense that you have from the word of God is not just to defend yourself from the enemy attacking, but it's to attack the enemy back and to push him back away from what is yours. How many times do we apply what the word of God says when our family is being attacked? How many times do we apply the word of God to our cities? And do we pray these over our cities and God's will and God's wisdom and God's reign over our cities? The only way we can do this is by knowing the word of God. Many of us could quote more words and more lines from Drizzy Drake or Nicki Minaj or Game of Thrones than we could the word of God. And it makes me think to ourselves, if you can quote more of that, than the word of God or you know more about how to apply what the world says is a standard to your life and your situation than the word of God says it makes me think do you really truly have an intimate relationship with God this isn't to call anybody out but I but I really want and my heart is really desiring as I've said we've gone into this COVID season where many of us have had to grow in an individual relationship with God as a pastor I've said this before I don't want you just to hang on the words that I preach in my teach trust me I love to preach and to teach I love to give this word out and stuff like that and this is a part of my role as a pastor and a leader in the community is to do so but it's to do so that you can grow and develop into an individual relationship with God also so the Holy Spirit can guide you in your life and the Word of God will help you to stay on the firm foundation your salvation is the greatest thing that you can have in life and I believe that as we apply the Word of God and we apply all of these standards that we've seen from the full armor of God the belt of truth the breastplate of righteousness the shoes of peace the faith the salvation and the Word of God we can be invincible Christians. But I think we're missing something. We're missing something that's very important in here. One thing that I believe that ties it all together is that we have to develop a prayer life. We have to develop a prayer life. Um, you can study the Bible all day long. You can know the word. You can say and quote scriptures. There's many people out there who are historians who probably, who I am famous, they probably, they know the word and the history and um, the teachings of the word better than I do. That's their job is to be historians and they're not believers. That's a part of what they may be. In. But they have to, or we have to learn how to live this out by applying the word and by also applying our life in prayer. I remember reading this, and I had this shirt back in the day. It was like one of those like most like godly, awkwardly Christiany shirts that like you know it could have had rhinestones on it, like a cross on the back. Like you all know those like those like everyone has those corny Christian shirts that we used to always wear back in the day. If you're still wearing those, you keep rocking them out. I like some of them. I'm just saying, that's just not me. I just wear my die out and I look swag, swaggy be. But I had this shirt. I loved it. I used to wear it everywhere, and it would say on there. It had um, Ephesians six and eighteen. And Ephesians 6 and 18 is one of those verses that like, I could like quote off to you on the top of my head because it's become a staple of my life. And it says, pray in the spirit constantly with all supplication for all believers and all the saints. What it's saying here is that Paul is ending off the full armor of God by telling us we must end cap it with prayer. You, you must end cap this with having a personal prayer life with God so you can receive what God is telling you in this life we no longer have to go to the priest to be able to make intercession for us and to forgive us of our sins we have access to god directly to be able to make our prayers and our concessions to god when we have issues and problems 
So when it says pray in the Spirit constantly, I believe it's praying and allowing the Holy Spirit praying for us also in these moments and times, but keeping alert and preserving and, pre and preserving um, and making supplication for all of our saints. What it means is that we don't have to make these big gaudy prayers where we feel as though the only time we pray is on Sunday at the church. But it's the knowledge that when we are at our home, we can go to the prayer closet and we can pray by ourselves. I have a studio room, and it's funny because um, throughout the week, you know, it, it's been weird trying to navigate working from home and taking time for scripture reading. And shout out to Megan because she gave me a Kindle um, a couple months ago, and it has just jacked my life up because I can read upstairs in the bed without waking people up and the baby and not being downstairs and stuff. So it's been great. But there's a, there's a portion of my night when I'm like, I have to get away. I got to go. The baby's asleep. Lauren's upstairs. KK's asleep. And I'm like, I have to go. And I'll go downstairs. I'll go to my studio. Or I'll go somewhere private and stuff like that. And it's funny because KK will come downstairs every once in a while because she'll hear me. And it'll be like 12, 1, 2 o'clock. And she'll just be like, well, she'll be like, what are you doing? She'll come downstairs and grab something to eat. And I'm just hanging out and reading and praying and stuff. And, um, you know, I'll talk with her. We'll pray and stuff like that. But it's funny because she'll come down and be like, is this your private time? I'm like, yeah, it's my private time, KK. I'm like, every parent knows this. You want that like 15 to 20 to 30 minutes of your day where you're just like, I just need to get away from like everything. And that's my time when I stop and I, I just pray. I get away and I'm like, this is my private time. This is my individual time. When I just say, God, I, I need this rejuvenation time for myself. Um, I did a midweek devotion um, about a week or so ago talking about the, the lonely place with God and how Jesus Christ would go away. He would pray to God before we see mighty works of God in his ministry. He would go and pray in an individual time. And I believe that's when the lonely time with God is when he received the affirmations for the work that he was going to do. But in here it tells us that when we're in a place of defending ourselves in the faith, you can stop no matter where you are, in the car, in the grocery store, um, in the pulpit, and pray to God. It don't have to be these big lengthy prayers where you feel like, oh God, come on down and bring fire upon my enemies because they ratchet. Like many of us, we think we got to pray those prayers and stuff like that. I believe there's more value in you living out a life and a lifestyle of prayer to God. I, I, I did this and I've applied this to my life, I don't know, about maybe seven or eight years ago. I stopped and I said, God, I said, if I have access to you to pray anytime, why don't I stop my complaints about situations and turn those into prayers about my situations? Well, well why don't I stop in that moment when I may be gossiping about somebody or something? How do I turn that into a prayer on how to stop on that moment and stop talking about someone? But maybe I start to pray for that person. How about in that moment in time when I'm stressing and I'm, I just have so much anxiety and I'm talking about the, the, the bigness and the, the mountainous problems that I face. Do I stop and say, God, this is the problem that I'm facing right now and I can detail it out to you. And God, how do you want me to handle this situation? God, give me your wisdom to know how do I navigate this life right now? Many of us, we have a ton of idle thoughts in our minds, and, and then we speak out. What if you turn those into prayer? And I believe that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying that we are to put on the full armor of God to defend ourselves daily. And there are designated times when I believe that you should have a time when you get to your prayer closet. You need to have that. When you go into things like intercessory prayer for your brothers and sisters, where you are specifically going and you are combating the enemy in prayer, but there's also times when throughout the day, 
for us to maintain this relationship with God as we talk about. You can't wield the spirit, you can't wield the sword of the spirit unless you have a true relationship with God on how to navigate and using that sword of the spirit. In that moment in time, in that day, when you're facing a little bit of stress, turn that into a prayer to God. Ask God, how do I guide and maintain my life and my relationship with you right now? And I believe wholeheartedly God in those moments and times because his character shows that he will give us the guidance when we need it. He will help you in those issues. Turn your moments and your complaints and those stresses into prayers to God so that your life is a lifestyle of prayer. It's not just in the moments and the stresses. I heard somebody say this in a sermon. I said, we use prayer as the, like, the last go-to method. It's like there's a fire in the building, and you've tried everything to get it out, and then you go and you bash open the fire alarm, and you get like the fire extinguisher. What if you go and you use that as your first means in that moment in time? Before it gets to its worst, why don't you use prayer in the moments when it's at its least of stress? Don't just use it as, God, I need help right now. Like, in those moments before it gets to that point, and if you have a right standing, right relationship with God, you're going to want to pray to God initially to get that guidance. And I pray that as we are finishing up this uh, sermon series, as we go into um, our message from the Messiah series, that we start this off with prayer. We understand the value of prayer. We understand the value of the Word of God. Um, one thing that I've had a lot of time to sit down with over the last couple of weeks is um, to think about how are we as a church, as Risen City, you know, we, we do a ton of outreach. We do a lot of work in the community. Um, we partner with a lot of different people. Um, and it's been different during COVID to be able to say, how are we still going to continue to reach and to preach and do these things like that? I think a lot of pastors are in that same place and it's a, it's a weird time to be in. And God has really helped me as an individual to kind of pull back and to stop and to say, this is the time for you to get into the word more, to delve into a deeper relationship of your understanding of what my word says. So when you are able to come out, you will be more, um, you will be more grown in wisdom. You will be under, you will be able to understand my standard better. And you will be able to apply the word of God to other people's situations more and better in a depth of understanding his character and the depth of understanding Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit living through all of this to give us guidance. And I also believe that when we apply the word to it and the prayer, we will be able to do greater works than what we could ever do than what we did before during this time if we apply it. I'm praying that during this last these next couple of weeks and however long COVID may last, that you get into an intimate relationship with the word of God. Um, I think as we're going through the book of Matthew, and we'll talk about this later on in the week on our Risen City, um, our page and stuff like that, um, we're really going to start focusing on um, kind of individualized and corporate devotions together, um, reading through the words, sections of it together as a church throughout the week, nothing too kind of crazy, and if you're out there and you want to follow, you know, we'll, we'll post up to our regular page, but also um, having more dedicated time for us to pray as individuals is something that we want to incorporate into our church life and into our individual lives um so i believe as we continue forward with this a lot of conversations about COVID and what's life is going to be like after this you know the word of god stands eternal and we are going to be able to continue to reach and teach and to preach to people um by looking at our methods and how we do so 
And I believe that God has put the tools together already in his word and through prayer and through the spirit to guide us and to have the right wisdom on how we can do so. So I pray as a church that we can do this. And I just pray collectively and individually that we use the word of God in prayer as our defenses. I was happy to preach out this series and stuff like that. I'm hoping everybody's having a good day. Um, Y'all enjoy. Do some barbecuing. Hang out with your families and friends. Put your face mask on. You know, get your, get your die out face mask. I sounded so country just now. Jesus and stuff like that. So make sure y'all get one. Listen, I'm doing my shameless plug just because I love this company. Um, die out is one of my favorite people out there and stuff like that. If you ain't got your face mask, get your face mask on. Um, like I said, they are selling their face mask online. They've donated so much money from their face mask to so many different entities um, across the nation right now. They're really doing a lot of work. They support a lot of church and ministries. So I was really excited when they reached out to us about partnering and um, providing, you know, a 30% of all of our the sales that people use the discount code Risen City goes right back to us in our feeding programs. So we're really excited about that. I encourage you guys, go to our Facebook page, go to your email there. Um, if you need a mask, go get a mask. I mean, they're the same price as all the other ones are. So you can get yourself one and keep yourself safe. I got it like all over my face. They even look dope. So I believe that you should get one. But um, stay encouraged. I pray that everyone stays safe. Um, Continue to stay connected with us on social media. We're going to have a lot more stuff coming out over here in the month of June. I'm really excited about the opportunities we have for our church to continue the fellowship and to reach the community. We'll sing the doxology, and then we will be out of here, guys. So I have a one, and a two, and a three. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Grace and peace be to you guys. God bless. Y'all have a good week. We'll catch you guys later on. Oh, oh, oops.